Ladies and gentlemen, it is not a new episode of Three Ravens, so there's nothing more that I would like to do than to put up a new episode of Three Ravens because there's a new episode of Game of Thrones, but sadly, that ship has sailed. It is true, there might be some prequels in the works and we might bring back the podcast, but in the meantime, I wanted to show you one of the other podcasts that I work on. So The Lanyard is a weekly podcast where I interview people who are creating cool companies or cool communities. And I thought rather than sending you on a wild goose chase, I would just play one of those episodes for you right here. So you're going to hear an interview that I just did with Carla White up in Sioux Falls. If you like it, subscribe to The Lanyard. Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Lanyard, the podcast where we talk to people making cool companies or cool communities. My name is Ben Hanton. Today we get to hear from Carla White. She is a true entrepreneur in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I actually got to haul all my equipment up there and record this podcast in Carla's kitchen. I wanted to hear how she had an idea one day and created an iPhone app. Now, What's cool about this, though, is not just that she created an iPhone app. She did it at the time when iPhones weren't even available in South Dakota. She is driven. When she has an idea, she makes it happen. Now, today she's helping other people make those dreams come true, but it hasn't all been roses on her journey. Um, So it took a while. There was some struggle. We're going to hear how she did it. That interview starts now. Well, Carla White, I'm here in your kitchen. I have not done a podcast like this yet. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is sweet. I love it. What's been going on with your morning so far? Oh my gosh. It's been such an amazing day. I got to talk on the news. Oh, really? Yeah. So I was helping people out uh, who are job hunting, recent grads, giving them some tips on how to use social media to get that job. Yeah. And uh, then I jumped on a Facebook Live. I'm doing a 21-day challenge with my tribe in just helping them set up power rituals. Okay. So like, for instance, what's a power ritual? Uh, Gratitude is a power ritual. You know, I'm a big gratitude believer. Uh, Meditation, drinking water, going for walks. Um, There's a lot of them. So so setting up habits and the 21 days, you said? Yep. Because then it becomes like second nature. It's easy at that point. Yeah, exactly. So you got to start. Um, well, we just started this week with the actual power habit. So a lot of times we have these ideas or stories that we tell ourselves that will stop us from starting a new habit. Right. Right. Lots of excuses, perhaps. Absolutely. (laughs) So, um, well, I want to talk to you today about your career and about iPhone app building and about being an author and about challenging people. But As always on these podcasts, what I like to do to start with is to just talk about where it began and really early on, like, where did you grow up? Yeah. So I grew up here in South Dakota, close to Salem uh, on a farm there. Salem, South Dakota. So that is uh, right by I-90, right? Um, I drive through it on my way home to my hometown of Webster. So population what? Gosh. 200? Our no, m- it's a little bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it was 1,500 growing oh, up. Oh. But I don't know what it down. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so what size class were you in? You know, I think there were 50 of us. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That's what I had in my hometown, and, and we were a population 2,000. So sure. excellent. So what did you want to be when you grew up? You know, I wanted to be a judge. And and are you a judge? (laughs) (laughs) I've stood in front of a judge before. (laughs) (laughs) So you wanted to be a judge because why? Things you you saw on TV? Yes, exactly. LA Law. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, they seemed like they had the things that I wanted. And growing up in South Dakota, you really didn't get exposure to a lot of different careers. And so that was just one that seemed super cool. What's, um, what, so tell me about your family. So I grew up in a, what is it? Fourth, fifth generation of farmers. And my dad farmed with all of his uncles. My mom was a photographer and a writer for the local newspaper. 
and creative. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and your dad an entrepreneur. And my dad's an entrepreneur. Absolutely, yep. So you got some early lessons there right away. Yeah. And then siblings. Uh, four siblings. Two sisters and two brothers, so I'm smack dab between two boys. Okay. Yeah. That was easy, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so your mom was uh, was a photographer and a writer, did you say? Yes. And um, so that was for like the weekly paper around there? Yeah. So what kind of things would she cover? Everything. I remember going to see a house fire. She let me go and see it in the middle of the night. Yeah. She as uh, she took pictures and uh, she'd take me along to interviews to uh, different individuals. So I got to see how she uncovered information from people. Got like wedged it out of them in ways yeah. that most people couldn't. So is that newspaper still alive? Yes. Excellent. It's Salem Special. How about the family farm? Is that still around? Yes, it is. It's being farmed by my cousin. So it's still in the family, which Excellent. is nice. Yeah. Did you ever have aspirations to be a farmer? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> After cleaning up uh, troughs and <laughs> shearing sheep and what else did we do? All bales and all yeah. the other. It's hard work. So what were you like as a high schooler? You know, I started out really good and then I waned. A lot. And I got bored in that little town yeah. and uh, just joined the bandwagon with everybody else who was dragging Maine and partying and going to keggers. And, Having some beers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then off to college you go. Yes. Which was where? Uh, USD, University of South Dakota. And I was the only one on my whole dorm who just moved herself in. No parents. So what, what what happened there? Did they just say <laughs> we've done this before? Just figured kind out, of. kid. Yeah, kind of. I was kid number four, so they were yeah. kind of like, "Yeah, you're on your own." But also, I had a falling out with them after graduation. Yeah, I was like, "I am out of here." I piled up my Chrysler Cordoba. I don't know if you know what that no. is. It's about as long as this house. <laughs> it's a big car. Piled it up with everything I owned and just moved myself out of the house really quickly. And I yes. uh, had that, you know, slamming the doors teenage moment. So if you have a, a, a at least a temporary breakup with your parents, did you have your funding for college figured out then? <laughs> <laughs> Student loans, here we yeah, come, right? Yeah, yeah. Working part-time jobs. So, right. Yeah. So uh, you weren't totally independent. No, absolutely <laughs> not. I was on food stamps. I figured oh. out how to get on food stamps. Yeah. Yeah. So So you got a, a, a hand up, as they would say. Yeah. yeah. Well. well, so then what did you want to do in college and what, what did you, or did that change when yeah. you were in college? Yeah. So when I was in college, um, I actually studied art because my mom was always constantly doing art and I saw how to do it. Yeah. I was good at it how I was going to make money off of it. I had no idea, but you know, everybody else in art school looked cool. They Is were doing any cool of the stuff. art around here from you that I'm looking no, at. No, you know, um, at Christmas time, there's a picture of Santa above our fireplace yeah. that everybody always marvels at. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I should get some more pieces of my own art up. You're absolutely right. Um, but I started out in art school and was flunking um, art school. I don't know how you do that, but mm -hmm. uh, halfway between, I think it was, yeah, right at the end of my freshman year, there was a Japanese exchange student that I hung out with. And she said, you know, if you wanted to study over in Europe, you could do that. And I couldn't see possibly how it could be done because I'd never been on a plane before. I didn't speak German. I didn't have the money or the financial means whatsoever. But uh, she kind of mapped out a way to do it. And I'm a really quick learner. I, I'm coachable. And I did it. So my junior year, my sophomore year, I spent learning German. And my junior year, I spent over in Germany. And that was a pivotal moment. So why German in particular? Just because you wanted to get to Europe or because you had ideas of what you'd do with that? Right. So um, my mom's parents are from Germany. Oh. We had relatives come over from Germany growing up. So I felt a connection to Germany and um, more than any other country in Europe. And also because USD had the program for people to go over and study over in Germany. So if you were 
dedicated to your studies and you kept up on your grades. Um, you didn't have to be fluent in German, but you had to have A's in German. And so I hired a tutor. I went to every class. I did more than I had to do so I could get over to Germany. And that was just a total immersion. Yeah. Then yeah. it was total immersion. Yeah. So can you speak it well today? Jawohl, ich kann auf Deutsch sprechen. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any German friends that you keep in touch with? A little bit, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you talk in the German tongue? Yeah, but you know what they do? They start speaking in English because oh, they want to practice yeah. English. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so tell me then, graduation, where, where were you off to? What did you have set for your plans? Yeah, so I came back from Germany and I ended up getting an MBA and a MIS, Master's in Information Systems. So got my act together. Really what I wanted was how can I get somebody to pay me to travel? Because I love travel. Yeah. That was my goal. And um, again, I just packed up my vehicle and headed to California without a plan. And <laughs> with one maxed out credit card and yeah. uh, not a lot of street sense on how to reminds me of a lot of entrepreneurs where you throw your hat over the fence and then you figure out how you're going to go get it back yes exactly we'll figure it out (laughs) yeah so off to california and no plan and what happened when you got there i ended up sleeping on somebody's sofa for about three months and uh having a huge wake-up call that just having a degree under your belt does not guarantee you a job of any sort you know and I hustled. I really hustled trying to meet people in the career space that I wanted. And by chance, I met a woman. Her dad ran a program in Washington, D.C., and she it sounded like something I wanted to do. And I asked for an introduction. Next thing you know, I'm driving across the United States again. Now, mind you, all you younger kids, this is before credit cards and iPhones and Google Maps, yeah. you know, like I had my fold out map. That's how I got across the United States all by myself. And, uh, so I did that twice, three times and, um, yeah, ended up in DC working for a Pentagon program. I gotta, I gotta tell you on that iPhone comment. So my iPhone is at Mac pros right now getting the screen repaired. That's like, two miles from here. And I was a little stressed finding your house. (laughs) Like, how do I do this anymore? Right. I don't have a map. I, you know, I had actually had to pull up the iPhone app before I left Mac pros, write out all the directions because we're just so dependent on iPhones for everything. I know. Right. (laughs) I can't even imagine going across the country without one. Yeah. So a Pentagon job. Yeah. That was super eye opening. Uh, the Pentagon, by the way, is like Mall of America with no windows and no maps. <laughs> <laughs> it's got everything in it. Uh, yeah. It's got a, you know a barber. It's got dry cleaners. All of that. Oh, really? The, yeah, it, yeah. It's like a mega mall. But bars. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't discover a bar. I don't think so. Yeah. But I'm sure there's Good whiskey in the general's cabinet. Yeah, you right. know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah. So I would go to meetings there, and basically the job was a 3.5 billion dollar Pentagon project to get rid of nuclear weapons in the former Soviet Union. So what we did um, as dutiful contractors is spend the government's money as fast as we could before so you, Congress took it away. You could get more. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. Can't have any left over. Right. And how did you do it? Did you get rid of all the nukes in the Soviet Union? <laughs> so um, we would buy all sorts of crazy stuff. And one of the things we bought was a uh, chemical labs, which we would ship over to Ukraine so they could figure out good ways to decompose or get rid of all this chemical nuclear act oh. stuff. And we ship them over there. And there was never any follow up. Uh, so it was like a uh, build your own. It was a kit about yes. here's a chemical lab. Here's a kit. Here's yeah. some instructions. Yep. Like an Ikea kit. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Some assembly required. Yeah. And so you didn't fly over there to help them set it up. You just basically shipped <sighs> it over. Do you want to know the truth? Yeah. Okay. So what would happen is um, like we had diamond um, saws, uh, chainsaws with diamond head blades. Okay. They'd be sitting like hundreds of them in the back storeroom and like worth millions each. And they'd get sent over to Russia. They'd go on a train. So they go as far as Eastern Europe, then um, on a plane, Eastern Europe to Russia. They go on a train. Train would get hijacked. Russian mafia would co- confiscate yeah. them. Then we'd buy more. 
Let's try again. And nobody wouldn't, the news wouldn't know about it. Nobody would know. Like, and then um, it was during Clinton era and Clinton was going to go over and check up on this program. Yeah. And boy, did we get our act together quick. Mm. It was interesting. So those chemical labs were being used to create chemical weapons. Yes. You know, they weren't being... The exact opposite. Right. I know. And, you know, I don't want, like, this is kind of the truth. You know, there's so much stuff going on. Yeah. That we aren't aware of. So how did you feel <laughs> learning about these problems? I mean, did you, yeah. were you disheartened? Were you just sad? Were you well, resolved to fix it? So coming from South Dakota and going to USD, the one skill I did not learn is negotiation. Mm. And so I had a really bad salary for, it seemed good from a, for a South Dakota girl who yeah. was working eight bucks an hour, yeah. busting tables, but uh didn't pay hardly anything for rent. So I was living uh, in a crack neighborhood. I mean, my I was the only white woman, only white person in this all-black neighborhood. The taxi drivers would drop me off a block away from my house. They were too scared to like go down that street. But I, I was so safe in yeah. that neighborhood because I stuck out like a sore thumb. So all like I had 100 bodyguards. All eyes just, on you. Yeah, yeah. They all made sure I was okay. And uh, anyway, what was... T- what was excruciating was to go home to this neighborhood just a few blocks away from our Capitol building where children were running around in the streets, underfed, witnessing horrors like a third world country, yet we're spending all this money to go and ship stuff overseas yes. to go in the hands of rich mafia. Yeah. And that that was harder than anything. Anything like I hit the glass ceiling, yes, of course, all that other stuff, but that was the hardest thing. That was, I lived through that for about a year and it really affected my health. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you got out. I went to the Olympic Games of all things in Georgia. Okay. So my German. That was the one that had the bombing at it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So my German skills came into play. Okay. I uh, was able to be a German translator at the Olympic Games. So I'm like, yay, I get to use these. <laughs> and uh, uh, But then those German athletes wanted to speak English, so it was super easy. I just kind of basically took the families and the athletes and was their caretaker while they were in town, and it was super fun. I got to see the games. And, Who uh, paid the bill on that? The Olympic Committee. Okay. Yeah, so. You just put your name in as a submission, like I'm trained and... Uh... Well, I had a friend of a friend of a friend oh. who was working on the Olympic Committee. You learned something in government, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what happened then? What, when did you start your next yeah, job? Yeah, so I wanted to get hired by the Olympic Committee. So that was just a part-time job, and I wanted to get hired. And the next games were in Australia. I wanted to work on those games. I wanted to move to Australia and did not get hired. So there I was pounding the pavement waiting tables again. Yes. Uh, and I would, okay, we didn't have internet, you know, like you couldn't go and go into monster.com yes. and find jobs. Right? right. So this is old school. This is how we used to do it in the olden days. Um, I went into the library and I came across a book titled top 100 companies in a, in the world to work for. And in that book was a company in Fargo, North Dakota. And I thought, well, I'm from South Dakota. They're from North Dakota. I got something in common with them. Is it Great Plains Software? Yes, it was. Wow, good guess. (laughs) Yeah. And so I sent them my resume. The tech company. Yeah. They were awesome. They hired me. um, And uh, they said, look, you can live wherever you want as long as you're close to an airport. Do you like to travel? Is your passport still valid? Yeah. Like, yes, thank you. Was Doug Burgum working there at the time? Was he CEO? Yeah. yeah, So he's the governor of North Dakota now? Now he is, yeah. Yeah. And I got the pleasure of like getting to know him personally and hanging out with him. He's just amazing. Yeah. Awesome. So what was your job? Were you a consultant flying into people's places and helping them uh, work on the software that Great Plains had designed for them? Yes. Uh, Yeah. So we would go around to different businesses that bought the software and needed it customized. Yeah. So I got to learn more about technology, how to code, how businesses operate. That was so great to see behind the scenes how these businesses operate. This is late 90s? Yeah. 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 And... 
khaki pants and yeah. the polo shirt with the logo on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, and, and of course, Great Plains, it ended up getting sold to Microsoft. Did yep. you work for Microsoft then too? Yeah. So what they did was, uh, they wanted somebody to go over your, over to Europe and start up a consultancy practice over in Europe. And I raised my hand and said, pick me. So they sent me over to London. I got to travel all over the world, basically building relationships yeah. with people. And that was the coolest thing. So, How long were you in London? About ten years. Oh, really? Yeah. Incredible. So, uh, what was what was that like? Well, I can speak British now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or English. <laughs> Not too good. You got all the slang down. Yeah, got it. Well, almost. <laughs> <laughs> it was um, it, it was fun. It was interesting. Um, and you know, I, I think London is probably just like the dream city if you want to go to a city because. It's L.A., D.C., and New York all rolled up into one. They have the movie scenes, the theater scenes. They have the government there. And it's financial a district. financial district. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And uh, public transportation good? Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, so then, but you're not there anymore. No. What what happened? So I was with Microsoft, uh, geez, for like eight years over there, seven years um, as a consultant. And then they said, okay, dot-com bubble burst. Let's have you go to um, Seattle and start programming in some language that I didn't know. Oh. And um, Had you been a programmer before? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think they're still getting bugs out of their software from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the best programmer and I'll put my yeah. hand up and say that. Um, so, so yeah, they invited me to go to Seattle. I just met my then boyfriend, now husband, uh, and thought, you know what? I want to stay in London. I yeah. love it here. And so he and I started up a business together. We started a wireless network throughout London. And, no way. Yeah. And, uh, going from, you know, the safety net of a big corporation to starting your own business was like throwing that hat over the fence. So it did was, you own the hardware, the infrastructure, yeah, all we, of that? We did. We and we were just startup, no funding, and we were trying to get funding, proof of concept. It was super hard. And uh, how did that end up? Is that company still yeah. alive? No. So um we were in I think year 2 of the company and it was going south. I wasn't handling the stress very well. I was still using old school tactics, drinking, late night binging, uh, overworking. I had insomnia, um, ulcers, you know, you name it. I yeah. was, my health was suffering bad. And, and then I got the middle of the night phone call that my dad had suddenly passed away and I had nothing like no mental capacity to deal with it. I had no power rituals that I, that I use now to deal with any of the stress. I freaked out completely. So no tools in your toolbox. Nothing. Except for alcohol. Yeah. And what was, may I ask, what was the alcohol of choice? Oh, anything. I liked whiskey. Yeah. Uh, you know, those Brits have a good pint. Yeah. You know, they got great pubs. And the the neat thing is, is you can hide behind your depression mm. very easily in Britain because drinking is so socially yeah. acceptable. Every corner. Yeah. And jokes are there. Like all you have to do is have a couple pints. You slip into the jokes and nobody talks about Real. emotions yeah. or anything like that. It's all small talk banter. Oh, it's all polite chit chat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we do, we do a little bit of that in South Dakota too, don't yep. we? Yeah, we, yeah. we, we try not to talk about things that are, put our vulnerabilities out there. Yeah. doesn't seem polite to ask people about their problems. Yes. Um, so we also kind of talk about the weather and mm -hmm. tell some jokes too, don't we? Yeah, we do. Don't we? Yeah. Uh, by the way, good weather. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, just kidding. It's terrible weather. Um, so one of the things that I, a question about the early years for you is you're a woman in technology, mm -hmm. um, and you had talked about glass ceiling when you were in government, but what about women in technology? What was that scene like for you at that time? Were you yeah. one woman in a room with a hundred men or were there many other like you? Yeah. So, uh, Doug was, Doug Bergham with Great Plains. He was really good about evening the playing field yeah. and, um, promoting women. He just understood it. He saw that. He had that foresight into the balance yeah. of men and women on the teams. Um, 
Otherwise, when I got over to London, it was a lot different. You know, that's a very old school thinking over there and hit the glass ceiling, um, dealt with sexual harassment. When I reported the sexual harassment, then I dealt with isolation and um, just, you know, suck it up, buttercup. This is how it is. Yeah. And you chose this. You yes. chose this path. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. And I would go over to countries like the Middle East mm. or India, and it was interesting that they were more well received with a woman being an authority than some places in Europe. Oh, really? Yeah, that yeah. was what was shocking. You know, India took a little while. I had to really boast about my credentials. That took a, you know, like I had to, I've got an MBA. I know how to do this. Like they needed proof. You needed extra just yeah. to just to hang. Well, you know what I did? Yeah. There were... I think like 20 guys in my class that I was teaching and I memorized every single one of their names. And I will tell you, Indian uh, names are not easy to memorize. So eye contact and, and memorizing their names, yeah. they had to take you seriously. Yeah. 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 And, um, then, but if you were a man, you could just show up and, and half-ass everything and you'd be fine. Right. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is the case. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, when you got back to the United States then, what what was the path? Yeah, so um, after my dad passed away, I, I just couldn't get the wind in my sails for that business anymore. Like I was lethargic on the sofa with a Ben and Jerry. You're still so. talking about the uh, company in yeah. London, the Wi-Fi company. Yes, yes, yeah. So um, my husband thought, well, let's move you back to South Dakota so mm. you can be closer to your family. Which I dug my heels in because I worked so hard to get over to Europe and. He, I, I thought, okay, let's do it one year. No, where are we on year 10 now? Yeah. <laughs> so by then one year is still going on. But um, coming back made it worse because it was on the cusp of winter. We all know what winter's like here. Mm -hmm. uh, I uh, had a failed business behind me. My health was worse. You know, you know, the culture shock was really yes. profound. And Sioux Falls has come a long ways over the last 10 years. And I remember, well, it has one sushi shop. And it has a bike trail. So yes. I think I'm good. And <laughs> Sushi Masa. Yeah. Back in the day. Yeah, right? Yeah, downtown Sioux Falls was not near as cool as it is today. Not at all. Uh, uh, <laughs> did not have a scene. Yeah. No. Yeah. Sioux Falls Brewing Company had just closed probably. You know, there wasn't much for brewery culture. Now there's a ton of them. I mean, yeah. just everything's changed here. Yeah, yeah. So you you came back because you needed to, to, to get your mental health back in order, mm -hmm. physical health. Yeah. And uh, your husband or boyfriend at the time? Uh, we were married. So, so he followed? Yes. Yeah. Begrudgingly, <laughs> 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 so he's still here. <laughs> Where's he from? Hong Kong. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. So where did you meet? In London. In London. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, where was he working? He just had sold his own business. Oh, so he's an entrepreneur. Yes. Too. He, yes. So <clears throat> we both were kind of sitting on this cash pot. I, Me from Microsoft. Yeah. And, um, him from selling his company and, uh, we decided let's pool our resources. Yeah. We went through that money pretty quickly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you both find yourself back in South Dakota. Yeah. What's the next step? Well, he was working at Eros. Okay. It's the data center that basically they, what they did deal with imagery, uh, yeah. 3d imagery and, and, satellite um, satellite imagery, imagery of the yeah. United States and, and the whole world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he was, a what was he doing there? Uh, I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is he still there? It's a government job. No, he's with Avera Hospital now. Okay. So he does deep data mining. Yeah. Yeah, we're both nerds. And then you you got off the couch. Well, I, I got a job at Eros as well. I oh, was you did. a project manager. Yeah. And, um, you know, put a smile on my face. Yes. Uh, but my health, like, I didn't sleep at all at night. And nothing was changing on the inside. No. Yeah. And I couldn't shake a cough, which eventually turned into double pneumonia, which eventually turned into um, an ER visit. And the doctor said, all right, here's something for your double pneumonia. Here's something for your depression. And that hit me like a ton of bricks because like. I'm not depressed. Right. Yeah. You know, like I'm doing fine. Yeah. Can't you see me smiling? Yeah. 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 So I uh, went home and that was a tough pill to swallow. I didn't take the pills. I uh, tried to figure out a different way and 
by chance, thank you for doing podcast. I heard a podcast about writing five things each day that were good. It wasn't called a gratitude journal. It was just like, hey, if you want to try this experiment. And I thought, hey, that sounds interesting. I can do that. Yes. And so I just started doing that. I just started writing five things that were good each day. And that was a game changer in your life. Yeah, that was everything. That was everything. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good opportunity to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to learn about gratitude and about journaling. Yeah. We are back with Carla White. And we were talking right before the break about gratitude and about how you started writing down, was it five things? Five things, yeah. Tell tell me what that looked like. You were writing down (laughs) things that you were grateful for? Yeah. So I'd always kept a journal recapping what happened for the day some you know because i've done all these travels so i wanted to keep a memoir of them but what this was is specifically picking out five things that happened that weren't that bad you know at that yes. point in my life give like, me an can you give me an example of know, what that might have been at that time in your life yeah like um maybe my sister came over to visit um maybe i had a good project come into work, something simple. They were all really super small things. And it was about two months into keeping this journal. So it was just a notebook, wrote a few things in there. Um, And I was out for a walk in this neighborhood where I live right now. And I was going through my mind, what can I write in my journal tonight? Because I'd always do it at the end of the day. And I was thinking, well, I slept really good last night. That's a win. Okay, I got a couple of job offers. That's good. Um, I've lost a couple more pounds. And then it kind of hit me, wow, you know, this is a lot different than where I was just a couple months ago when I was in the ER. And I was trying to figure out what's that pill, that magic pill that I took, not realizing it was a gratitude journal at that point. Like, what is it? I was racing through my mind. (laughs) Like, what was I doing? Because I've been reading self-help books. I've been doing, like, I was trying to get out of my rut. Um, And I was trying to figure out what was that one thing that helped. And when it, I connected the dots and realized it was a gratitude journal. I thought, oh, I've got to tell the world about this. I've got to write a book about it. And then I'm like, wait, all those books that you read, nothing stuck. Nothing lasted. Like you felt good for about a day or two, and then you're right back to where you were. So um, the iPhone had just come out like a few months prior, and the SDK, the software development kit for the iPhone, was just released, like I think that week that I had this aha moment. And I was walking with my iPod shuffle, if you remember that Mm -hmm. little white... (laughs) Yes. Like a pack of gum almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was walking around with that and I thought, you know what? I'll make an iPhone app. Never had an iPhone, didn't have an iPod touch, nothing. Like I'm just going to make this app. And never even like the only Apple product I owned was See, that little shuffle. What's interesting about that, I, I find two things about that. One is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, we yeah. you didn't have iPhones available because no. AT&T was the provider mm-hmm. and AT&T really wasn't a thing in South no. Dakota at that uh-uh. point. It was like Verizon and cellular or something. Something, yeah. Uh, so first of all, you didn't have access to iPhone yeah. <laughs> or iPhone users around here. No. And second of all, that's like an early aha to come up with the idea that apps are going to be so convenient for everybody to use yeah. every day in their life. Like that was pretty smart timing wise. I know. Right. And, uh, the first thing I did was reach out to a guy who had actually created an app. It was really an amazing app. You, it had bubbles on the screen and you popped the bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was pretty phenomenal yeah. at the time. <laughs> right. So I reached out to him. I said, I have this idea for an app. Let's work on this together. And we started working on it together. I used what was left out of my funds, my business funds. And about partway through it, he said, you know what? Apps are a fly by the night sort of thing. By next year this time, nobody's even going to know what they are. Uh, interesting yeah <laughs> and i was Oops. like you know what i think i'm gonna yeah work with somebody else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly not so fly by night yeah right um so you then figured out how to code this app yourself or did you pay somebody to make version one well what i did was i jumped on a website called elance which i think is now yeah. odesk um and i looked for a job myself because I was running out of funds. So I thought, well, I got to get some more money so I can somehow pay to learn how to code or something like that. I got to extend the life of this project. Yeah. 
And I noticed that there were people out there that would build apps for next to nothing. Like they would pay you practically because they wanted to learn how to do it. So I found a developer in India. He was amazing because after my app launched and was successful, he had other people reach out to him to copy it. That Just was give the me resume the copy. builder. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. And uh, he, he didn't sell off the code. Thank goodness for him. So that was really cool of him yeah. to do that. But yeah, so I found a developer in India and... I'd get up at like five in the morning and work on the app because then we'd have a couple hours before I went into the day job at Eros. Eros didn't have any internet connection to the outside world, so I had to get it all done at Was home. that a security measure? Yeah, uh, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so they'd say. Funding problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. every day, yep. you'd work on the app. Yeah. What would you have to What would you have to do? What would you work well, on daily? I tried to outsource the design. Okay. Um, I knew UX design, so that's different than UI. For those of you wondering, it's like more the mechanics behind the scenes, the blueprint where UI is a paint and the colors and all that other niceties. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't know that UI, and you couldn't really take web design and transfer it to app design. It just didn't work. So I tried to outsource that. That didn't work. Um, that went a lot of my funds. So then I talked my boss into taking me or letting me attend a Photoshop course. And I learned Photoshop. I tried to create these designs myself. And I, the first ones are so crazy. They're so loud. And so, you know, <laughs> as all first, yes. photo, oh, I can create gradients and I can create bevels. And <laughs> so, Let's try everything. Yeah, right. And so I did the designs myself. And because I knew software development, I've been in software development for years before that. I knew how to manage the project and what that developer needed in India to get the job done. Yes. So... So you, so you started designing your app every day, but then also the marketing that yeah. went with it, right? So you, you created an app, but you had no users at first. How did you find yeah. it? Yeah. So I did start creating a website, a blog, um, about just my transformational journey. Yeah. And I called it health, wealth, and happiness because I was trying to go from broke to um, getting my wealth back. I was trying to increase my health again. And of course, I was trying to be happy again. So I was sharing a little different techniques and maybe short little articles. And um, I shared what, how gratitude helped me in the story about my dad passing. And then I launched the app. Now I had like three followers on Twitter, my husband, my mom, and some yeah. random robot, you know, <laughs> and then I launched the app and suddenly that afternoon I had, you know, 200 more followers wow. on Twitter. Yeah. Nice. Facebook wasn't a thing. Instagram wasn't a thing, you know, so Twitter was the thing. Then. Yeah. And, um, people just started spreading it word of mouth because I had my story out there and it was interesting. And, you know, any app story was a story. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at that time, especially, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So traction starts to happen. And if I was, a, if I was downloading that app, what would it look like for me? Would I have gotten it for free? Would I have paid and how would I use it? So it was a 99 cent app. Oh yeah. Everything time. was right. Yeah. yeah. 99 cents. And, uh, and that's all you paid. There were no subscriptions. That was 99 cents forever. Yeah, so I owned forever. it. Yeah. Forever. Okay. And, uh, it was just basically a notes app. You wrote down, like it, you could write things in it. You could add one photo and you could rate your day with these little stars. Okay. And then it gave you a little quote as a reward for writing in your journal. So the gamification, the reward yeah. was, was what got you to come back perhaps to yeah. see what you could get today. Yeah. Wow. And there was, because it wasn't really connected to, it wasn't really connected to a network then, no. was it? Uh -uh. So you had no social aspect to it. It was just no. somebody on their own phone looking at their own progress. And could they go back and review old days? Yeah. Yeah. As long as they didn't delete the app. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was stored locally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that what's, what's the app look like today? So now, um, not a lot has changed except for now everything's stored in the cloud. Okay. You can add more photos. Um, Drop your phone in your toilet. You can get it. Yeah. Uh, you can still have your 
your history. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You can export your journal to PDF. Um, you can share socially. Um, you have a better timeline view of what you've been doing there. You can see, um, what you were appreciating a year before those sort of things. So a lot more game. So like if it was, uh, in your life, you'd have been able to see, geez, the things I'm grateful for this year are so much better than what they were five years ago. So you can track your progress. Yeah, absolutely. So 99 cents, um, seems like that has, and you only got what, two thirds of that? 70%? Yeah, 70%. And Apple got the other 30%. Yeah, but that's okay. Yeah. So you got, uh, what does that work out to? 70 cents. 70 cents. And that means you had to sell a lot of apps. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. So the first, (laughs) like, oh my gosh, it came out in December, which is on the cusp of New Year's resolutions. And it was featured in- timing all sorts of magazines and I was on radio shows and all sorts of places were talking about it. And so, um, yeah, I'd get this big fat check from Apple every month or deposit, which was nice. Awesome. And yeah, from a 99 cent app, but that was it. Like there was no follow up to my customers or anything like that. Yeah. Like, I had a, a help site to help them out if they had problems, but Did no. you feel, I guess they'd already bought it. So you're even at that point, your vision of probably your, your vision of it is so different than today where you, you're trying to get that recurring revenue. Right. Um, but back then you already made the sale. So if they delete it tomorrow, I don't care. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we talked about those magazines you were featured in. Tell me about some of those publications that featured you. Yeah. So, or the app at least, maybe not you, but yeah. Um, well, they featured a little bit of both. So it was like the Telegraph over in Britain it had a huge full spread in the Sunday paper, um, which was huge. And so when that would drop, would you just see this amazing spike? Yeah. Yeah. But what would be cool are the people that would reach out to me. So for example, um, one of my best friends is Roz Savage. She's the first woman to row three oceans solo and she got my app to, use it while she was going across the Pacific Ocean for her mental toughness. And then a few years later, well, a couple of years ago, actually, um, she invited me over to England to her 50th birthday party with a bunch of other women, you know, so like yes. it's the people I meet through the app. So I always wanted to follow up, like, who is getting this app and who are you? And yeah. I want to know who you are. And- yeah. Yeah. Um, Oprah. Yeah. So Oprah Magazine or yeah. O Magazine? Yeah, O Magazine. And she mentioned it on her show, but she didn't invite me. Oh, darn. <laughs> yeah, I, know, right? <laughs> I wanted to be on her show. So, all right. So the Gratitude app and then Gratitude Journal, were those the same things? Because it's has it gone through some rebranding? Yeah. So I <laughs> took advice from people that I shouldn't take advice uh-huh. from. And they were like, okay, you're never going to get money out of people by upgrades. Because mm. you can't. You can't charge for upgrades. You charge one flat fee they get upgraded for life all the new upgrades and apple would come out with these brand new devices and brand new ui requirements you had to respond to it oh yeah and sometimes it would mean rewriting the code completely from scratch and so a lot of investment out of your pocket so somebody advised well come out with a second app and get rid of the first one sure and that's what i did and that was terrible decision. Um, people were able to transfer their journals to the second app. It did create a spike of income. But the thing is, is that first app was so deeply nested in hyperlinks mm, sure. that the SEO of it uh, yes. was so much stronger. Lost. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All the things you don't think about. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you create an app, it's successful. And then I imagine a bunch of people reach out to you and say, I have an app idea. (laughs) I have an app idea. I have an app idea. And so early on, were you just trying to help people out for free? And then at some point you decided, okay, if I'm going to take these calls, I better get some money. Yeah. How did that work? So at first, just like you said, uh, as nice South Dakota girl responding to every email, step one, do this, step two, do this. And I was realizing I was repeating the same thing in email after email. So I'm like, there's got to be a smarter way. So I created, I put together an ebook and an ebook is not a quick thing to put together. It took me a couple months to get that together and slapped it up on eJunkie. And I 
think it was Mac Rumors or somebody like that got a hold of it. And so that went viral and people were downloading that book to learn how to make apps, which later got picked up by a publisher, Wiley, and uh, Wiley does the dummy books. And they asked me to rewrite the book under their publication, which I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have a published book. Little did I know that the amount that I made in one month of the e-junkie downloads would equate to everything I'd make oh, under no. a Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so it looks better when you hand somebody a bound book, but it's yeah. financially not necessarily better. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so. you could control the e-junkie thing and, yeah. and how it got distributed. Right. Yeah, and yeah. all the marketing behind it yeah. and everything. Yeah. Ah, so that book was called? Idea to iPhone. Is that the only book you've done? Yeah. So that's the only published book I've released. I'm hoping to get one out this year as oh. well. Yeah. Do you got any details, spoilers for us? Yeah. Well, it's more geared towards people who get my app. So it's about around power rituals and um, just the power of your mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. So then uh, as, as we got here today, as I walked into your house, you said you had finished the Facebook Live. Mm -hmm. You'd spent some time on the news talking to people. So what does... What does your life look like today? Yeah. You've created this successful app in the past. I know that's not the only app you've created. What does your pool of work look like today? Yeah, so I had the app agency for a while where I was creating apps for other Happy people. Happy Tapper. Happy Tapper, yep. yes. Creating apps for other people. Now I do that still, but it's by application only and on a very low volume. Yeah. So where I figured out where my superpowers are is everybody has a gift, like a, something that God made really powerful inside of them. And God made everything else really bad. <laughs> like they're people <laughs> of doing like three things really well and everything else really bad. Yes. Uh, but the problem is, is that we feel like we have to do everything really good. Yes. And so what I like to do is help them discover what they do really well and then how to make a business off of that, how to pro profit off of that and um, excel at that. Basically taking what I've done with my own life and giving them the same formula. So what does that look like? How do I... How would somebody sign up for that? How yeah. would they get involved? Yeah. So if you want to just dabble, I do a 21-day challenge, which is a one habit challenge. So I try and trick people into thinking they're just going to learn one habit. It should be easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but what I do is uh, we figure out all the stories that are limiting you, and then I give them a bunch of power habits because there isn't like a one, two, three formula that fits everybody. Everybody has their own unique equation. So I give them a bunch and they can figure out what works best for them with where they're at. So it's like a library that they can always tuck into and go to over and over again, yeah. depending on the circumstances in their life. And at the same time, we really uncover where they excel the most and these gifts that perhaps they've just like put on a shelf for five years and dabble with here and there. And um, the next step of that journey is to figure out a process for them to monetize off of those gifts. Okay. So so I suppose there's a way that I could hire a, uh, a, a coach directly, mm -hmm. but you've done this in a way that can some, somewhat scale. So you're not one-on-one -on -one coaching with people. Yeah. Yep. So what I do is um, I have a very select smaller group of people and we go through it's basically eight steps from zero to full-time coach or full-time influencer or whatever you want to do, however you want to scale your, your gift. And uh, we do it together. So you have the accountability, you can peek over other people's shoulders, or you can peek over and see what they're doing and cheat off of each other and maybe help each other out. And it's um, really, really impactful. We do these weekend retreats where we all get together and everybody gets to know each other and deep, deep friendships form off of that. Yeah. So, but if, if my gift is different than your gift, mm -hmm. how do you have the expertise to help me deal with my gift? Is it just right. by getting my head right and my focus right that I figured out on my own and find mm -hmm. out my own resources? Or are you trying to actually give skills to say like, Oh, Ben, you want to be a podcast mogul? Well, here's how you do it. Or is it more about right. just aligning Ben to be like focused? Um, a little bit of both. A lot of it's mindset. Yeah. Uh, because we've been taught from a very young age that it's dollar for hour. And, um, you know, it's how good did you do in school is how much you're worth. Yes. These sort of ideas. So a lot of it's mindset, but also it's just 
basic business processes. Okay. Who is your customer? Yes. Where are they hanging out? Who's influencing so them? You're saying What's there's some problem? universal truths there, yeah. regardless of industry. Regardless. Yeah. <laughs> and being able to articulate what it is you're doing and why you're doing it. Yes. Yes. So uh, age range of people you're working with. Oh my gosh, all sorts. So uh, I think the youngest is um, 26, and then the oldest is 74. Yes. Wow, good Yeah, job. yeah. <laughs> okay, backtracking a little bit, let's talk about apps one more time. So what is it like today if I wanted to create an app? Obviously different uh, yeah, than when right. you started. Um, would you advise people to still do it? Yeah, yeah, I would. Um I, I feel like apps are still a really good opportunity for people, but the strategy is a lot different. So I feel like if you're using your app to widen your audience, okay. it's a really good idea. An app is just a micro software. So like the way that people come into my business journey together is they get my app. Once they get my app um, and download it and they create an account, that email goes into my MailChimp, my email service. So then they automatically get my, what I call 11 soap opera series emails. Okay. These are... Oh, it's an automated system, right? Yep. So day one, you're getting this, welcome on board. A couple of days later, you get a follow-up. It's more like uh, nobody's going to fight for you more than me because okay. I've been on the other side of that mirror and I know what it feels like. Yes. I know. And I'm going to share with you exactly how I got unstuck. And um, so that's called the soap opera series because at the end of each email, you leave them with a hook. Wait, watch for my email <laughs> tomorrow where yes. you discover whether Ben sleeps with Julie or, yes. you know, <laughs> so, it's really, and people will get like, they'll miss email number six out of 11 and they'll email me back saying, look, I don't have number six. You got, I can't read seven without six and check um, your spam. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, um, nurturing your customer. So that's getting them to trust you and to know that and over delivering. So, so that starts with your app. That starts with my app. And then from there, I invite them into the 21-day challenge or maybe a webinar or a class or something or a weekend retreat where we can grow on this relationship. The, the business model is not selling them a 99-cent app. It's giving it away for free because they're going to hopefully be involved in these other yes. much more lucrative uh per person spends. Mm -hmm. right? And I feel like this is a really good opportunity for entrepreneurs, especially if you already have a big list, because if you have a big list and you launch a simple app and I buy a simple, I'm thinking like 10, $20,000 investment and, okay. um, you launch that app, then you have that list and that list goes out and buys that app. It's automatically going to go up to the top of the charts so, for example, I coached a woman in India. She was 16 years old and she was launching an app and she didn't, she was making all the same mistakes most app producers make. Lots of features, no marketing. Mm -hmm. So I told her, cut out half these features. Instead of focusing on those features, focus on connecting with your tribe in advance. She didn't have a list. So she started writing medium articles about how she's creating her app and basically just taking what I have in my book and rewriting it and sharing screenshots of the app, that sort of thing. So she started to get this yeah. following. And when the app came out, she wrote a Reddit article, which was titled, I'm 16 years old and I just launched a cryptocurrency app. So 16 years old, cryptocurrency and app all in the title. The Pretty thing buzzy. Went, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unfortunately, it went buzzy in kind of the wrong way. She got a lot of hate, you know, like if you're really a girl, they said really horrific oh. things to her, but she's so smart. This girl's so smart. What she did was she found the the haters or the, the bullies, and she found their employers on LinkedIn <laughs> and sent them a message saying, did you know that your employee was doing this online? So then those people had to do a public apology. Now, what happens after that? All sorts of other, and Time Magazine picked yes. it up. I mean, all these other, like, people just, the story just keeps building on itself. And, um, she ends up at Apple. Like when you open up your iPhone and the app store, her picture was right there. I mean, it just exploded her career. Now, how much did she spend on that? Like 
two, three thousand dollars. She did most Ooh, of the work herself. Yeah. Nice. So when you sell your app, yes. you have to sell it with the story. You have to be focused on who are you going to connect with to um, build up your audience in advance. Well, and there's you're not going to make an app anymore, probably to do simple tasks or simple yeah. problems, right? Like for instance, I wouldn't create a ruler app anymore no. or anything. You almost have to look at everything through the lens of is Google already done this? Mm -hmm. Has Apple already done this? Will they yeah. make me obsolete tomorrow? Right? Yep, exactly. So what they can't make obsolete is your audience and the mm -hmm. people you already have connections with. Absolutely. And your own story. So mm -hmm. like now, I don't know, 20 different gratitude journal apps, but I put myself out there. I let people know my story. And so they have this personal connection with me that they're not going to get from any other gratitude yes. app. Those yes. are just tools created by somebody in Russia yeah, to get be. a download. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Copying somebody else in a list and saying we can do that and yeah. just ship. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about the startup scene in South Dakota, mm -hmm. in Sioux Falls. And do you think that we have, I guess, impressions of a startup scene? And is it important yeah. in an entrepreneur's journey to have such a scene? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the thing with being an entrepreneur, and you're in my home right now, I'm here by myself yeah. all day long. Yeah. Well, you got a dog over there. Yeah, right. Who I lost Which is, last night. <laughs> the dog is, uh, I don't know, what would we guess, about 15 pounds? Yeah. Sitting yeah. on an enormous bed. <laughs> It could be like, what, uh, 19 of those dogs on the bed? Like that. You're lucky to be in his home. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So as an entrepreneur, the shortcuts are by learning from other mentors, from each other, helping each other out, who you know, those sort of things. You know, like it goes back to when you said my dad's an entrepreneur. What did he do? He hung out leaning over the flatbed of his truck, talking to other farmers. Yeah trying to figure out what they do right. together, brainstorming together. And that's so important. Now we do have the internet where you can connect with other people and masterminds. But the dynamics of Sioux Falls is really good because what I love about people who are here is they're tough. Like they survive some pretty horrible weather and they are tough about it. And not only that, they're hardworking a majority of them are. And I did not realize just how hardworking Midwesterners are as second nature until I went to California, until I went to DC. When I noticed and I was working side by side next to people that went to Texas A&M or Harvard or in these Ivy League schools, yet when it came down to doing the work, they would shrink. Like yes. They would do the easy way out. They just did not learn hard work from an early age. So are there, so are there things that you're plugging into today to give back to entrepreneurs around here? Yeah, definitely. When, so I invest a lot in mentoring and coaching, like I'm talking tens of thousands of dollars. So whenever I can do a lunch and learn or a brainstorming session to share what I know, in the next upcoming movement or anything like that from other people who have achieved what we want to achieve. And I'll go out and share that because there's so many smart people out there that just need that little nugget of knowledge that will help them out. Yeah, I think probably the first time I met you was at uh, Enterprise Institute was putting on their annual conference and you were doling out some advice oh, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. So right now, then, if people wanted to get involved and to learn more about your courses or any of your apps, how would they do it? Well, the one-stop shop is carlawhite.org. And from there, you can find my book, my app, my courses, my coaching. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us anything that's on the horizon you're working on? We heard about a book. Any other projects that are currently you know, <laughs> I think I'm going to finally go on a long vacation Whoa. with my family. <laughs> that <laughs> you, sounds good. I know. As entrepreneurs, we just don't schedule off two weeks. That's my big thing. It's like to figure out my business so it can be automated enough where I can get out. Yeah, right. Well, and it's it's uh, the end of May already, and it, we haven't had spring yet. No. So maybe now would be the time yeah, to like start right? planning before we're back to winter. <laughs> yeah, before we're cut out of those two months of summer. Absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for sharing your story with us yeah, today. And uh, thanks for inviting me into your home. You're welcome. Thanks Th for having me. Thanks. 
Well, I hope you had fun listening to Carla White's story today. I sure did. I'm going to pack up my stuff and head back to Yankton. Can't wait to get this episode up. I do want to tell everybody, thank you so much. The Lanyard has really taken off lately. We have listeners now in 33 states. We have a couple states we want to check off, obviously. We would love to find some listeners in Ohio and Mississippi and Connecticut. So if you know some people who would get enjoyment out of this podcast, please share it out to them. We are on every podcast platform. That means Apple, Stitcher, Overcast. That's the one I like to listen to, Overcast. If you have people in your life who aren't very tech savvy, there's a direct link. You can go to anchor.fm slash the lanyard. They can listen. They don't have to have a podcast player installed on their phone. But again, thank you so much for making this podcast what it is. We will be back next week with another interview and uh, having a lot of fun. Thank you.